I, I was not going to be here. I was going to be here with you, but I was not planning to preach today. I wake up on Friday morning at like 6, and I normally wake up, and I had a text message from my friend Lucas Smith, who somehow found the grit to text me at 1.30 in the morning and saying, hey, Swain, I'm having an emergency appendectomy. I don't think I'm going to be able to preach on Sunday. And then we talk on, it's so funny, we talked on yesterday morning. He's like, you know what? He's like, I think if you could pull like a chair up, I might be able to go. And I was like, well, are you on narcotics? And he goes, yes. I was like, let's hold off. Let's hold off for now. So he was preparing a message uh, in our series called Devoted. And I'll just tell you that uh, I took some of his outline and some of his notes, and I added some of my own things. So this is a combo of myself and Lucas to you today. And I won't um, take time to quote him or quote me, but if it's really good, just know that it's me. Just know that it's me, right? All right? Uh, but I'm thankful for Lucas, uh, who laid really the outline of this message, and I told him, I was like, I got another date in July. We'll loop you back in in the series in July. So I began the series last week, uh, devoted the birth of the New Covenant Church, uh, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, uh, formed the foundation and the fuel, the empowerment of this new, new covenant, this new Christian, <coughs> excuse me, faith. Ten weeks, the series is going to be... 10 weeks on 10 things that we see the church devoting themselves to in the first century. Uh, it's based on, the whole series is based on Acts 2, 42 to 47. Uh, some reminders from last week. Um, oop, that's, oop. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, there we go. Uh, some reminders from last week. We are not working for devotion. This series is not about me thinking that I have some kind of motivational speaker tactics to try to like work you into some kind of thing to like be more devoted. That's not what this is about. We're not working for devotion. Uh, we are working from a place, from a place of new covenant, grace, Holy Spirit, empowerment in our lives, that we are empowered to know God, to follow God, to be a witness for God. Um, we looked at Acts 2 last week, and I emphasized these two things that is like really new covenant realities. God's presence came to rest on each of them. Uh, Acts 2, verse 3. And then the Spirit of God was enabling, enabled them. And so I just want to remind us of this really, this will be kind of a thread and a theme that I've asked all of our speakers this summer to make sure that we're reminding all of us that we don't get into this like legal, like I can do this, I must do this thing around being devoted and that we really are receiving uh, the blessing, the empowerment of God, and we're walking out of that place from empowerment. So with that said, our text for the morning, oh, there we go, there we go. I'm going to knock Spada's thing over. I'm going to move it back a little bit. This is the verse of the morning, Acts 2.42, they, the, the believers, the apostles, the, the followers of Jesus, Remember, the church had grown in one day from 120 to now like 3,000 people. And they, 
they, the church, the new covenant, the brand new, new covenant church centered in the grace and the freedom of Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Question, what is the, what is the apostles' teaching? In Peter's sermon in Acts 2, again, that was last week. I didn't cover all of it. I covered some of it. Peter quotes in Acts 2 two different psalms and the prophet Joel. In Paul's letters, when we read all the, Paul, the, the, the epistles, the letters to the churches and to the individuals from Paul, he regularly references the law, the prophets, and the wisdom books. So simply stated, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the word of God. That's the simple reality of what we want to talk about this morning. And so to be devoted to the apostles' teaching is to be devoted to the word of God. I'm going to look at three questions with you today that we'll work through. And I'm going to use Psalm 119 as kind of the reference point to answer these three questions um, this morning. What does it mean? What does it mean to be devoted to the Word of God? How? How do we devote ourselves to the Word of God? And what are the benefits? What are the benefits to being a person that is devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God? Uh, Psalm 1... (coughs) I got issues. I got issues. Um, Psalm 19... When you, if, when you hear Psalm 119, who knows what Psalm 19 is kind of famous for, like, like Bible trivia famous for? Anyone know? What? It's long. It's not just long. It's the, the longest chapter in the word, single chapter in the Bible. So next time you're at Bible trivia, just remember that I gave you that. Remember that I gave you the longest chapter in the text, what you might not know about Psalm 119 is that almost all of its 176 verses mention God's word. Psalm 119 is a poem meant to glorify God and the word of God that he has given to us as his people. That is Psalm My hope, my goal today in our time together is that you leave here feeling a a sense of of energy, um, uh, empowerment, excitement to, to read and to be devoted to the Word of God for the sake of your own freedom. That's my hope uh, in our time together today that God would somehow use me to stir some hunger in you to be a man or woman of the word. Uh, So here's the first question. What does it mean to be devoted to the word of God? If you have your Bibles, you can open to Psalm 119. We'll be there really the entirety of our time together. And uh, let me just read these verses. So it's 176 Verses. That would be something if I said, open your Bible to 119. I'm just going to read Psalm 119. Let's just get in this thing and go. Uh, that, would be, that would be a long Bible reading for us. Uh, you, you perhaps will sit down and do that maybe later today. I'm going to take a few verses here and there throughout the message. So I'm going to start with verse 9. What does it mean to be devoted to the Word of God? Verse 9 to 16. 
How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Some phrases that I pulled out of this, I have hidden your word in my heart. I meditate on your precepts. I delight myself in your decrees as one as one rejoices in great riches, I will not neglect your word because your word is great riches for me and to me. On a, on a really like simple, basic, fundamental level, these verses mean that reading the Bible is good for our souls. It is good. So, in one statement, I would just say, it is good, it is good to engage God's word regularly. Simple statement. So I'm preaching an entire sermon about being devoted to God's word, and the lead-off point is that it is good for you to read it, and that is some excellent preaching right there. That's some excellent preaching right there. That's Lucas's joke, by the way. I thought that was funny, so I included it in my notes. Have you, have you read this book? Do you read this book? This book is life. This book is life. The most widely printed, read, bought, sold, stolen, smuggled book in the history of mankind. If you Google, if you Google, the most read books of all time, every, every single list will have the Bible at the top. 3.9 billion copies of the Holy Bible sold over the last 50 years. Do you believe in the God of the Bible? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Do you read his word to you? I'm just inviting us, I'm just inviting us to engage more in God's word and see what happens, see what happens. I'm not telling you that you need to read the whole Bible cover to cover in the next 30, 365 days, although I would say that's a good idea, right? I'm simply suggesting that if we value God's word Engage with it regularly, earnestly. God moves in our hearts and our minds and he transforms our lives. That's what I believe. Here's a qualifier. Here's a qualifier. Here's what will not happen. God will not love you any more or any less based on how much or how little you engage in his word. 
God's love toward you will not change because of how much you engage in his word. Again, our devotion is empowered. And so from this grace place of empowerment, let's engage God's word. Here's what I believe will happen. Your feelings, your, God's feelings toward you will not change, but I believe that your feelings toward God perhaps will change. Your perception of God, of yourself, of the world around you will change. And when this happens, we are, we are transformed. So that's the first question. Here's the second. How? How do we do that? How do we devote ourselves to God's word? Let's keep reading Psalm 119, <coughs> excuse me, 17 to 24. Do good to your servant and I will live. I will obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on the earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for all your laws at all times. You rebuke the arrogant who are cursed and who stray from your commands. Remove from me scorn and contempt for I will keep your statutes And though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. Words that I pulled out of this, uh, obey, uh, keep, meditate, uh, allow yourself to be counseled by the word of God. It leads to this, your truth is my delight. Your truth isn't restricting me. Your truth is opening my eyes. It's transforming my life. It's become a delight. It's become like rich fare in my, in my soul. Um, I think this question, it's practical. Like this is a practical question. And a phrase that I use around freedom, and we talk a lot about freedom in Christ here at Two Rivers Church, like discipline is freedom, right? Like let's not, like we're not embracing this like legalistic way of thinking about life with God and following God and spiritual disciplines and all those things, but, but we shouldn't be afraid of like discipline in our lives. It's an empowered discipline. And I just would simply give you Three ways that you can engage God's word. Simple, 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 simple things. Like, read it. Just read it. As the psalmist says here, meditate on it. Another word, like we might say, study it. Study God's word. And I would say a third way is memorize. Memorize it. Um, I had a chance to go to our middle school camp on Friday. They spent... 23 kids and six leaders spent Tuesday to Saturday up at Sky Corral Ranch up the Risk Canyon. And so I just had an opportunity to go and sit in with them uh, at camp. It was so awesome. It was so awesome. And uh, in the morning chapel, do we have that? Is there a picture? Yep. This is the morning chapel. And you can't tell which one my friend Erin is. Uh, but she's like under the TV there on the right side. And she's teaching. Uh, morning chapel that morning was on the Good Samaritan. And so she's teaching on that. And I just was, just look at these students. I mean, Bible's open, listening, hearing teaching from their leader that has 
built such um, a platform that she's earned over time relationally to pour the word to these students that she loves. And then they break in, every morning they would break into solitude time, and I think there's a few pictures there. So I just, I just was walking around and just snapped some pictures of young people out of morning chapel just spending time in God's word. And I can tell you, like, as a father and as a pastor, it was so beautiful. Just, so be- just seeing young people alone, still reading, reading God's word. As Kenny, I got a chance to <coughs> hang out with Kenny, and he said, yeah, every night, every night in the evening in our evening chapel, so they have morning chapel and they have evening chapel, we will give kids an opportunity just to talk about what, they read or what they um, learned or what their solitude time was like. And he told me there was a seventh grade young man that the night before I had just told him how, and I'll quote Kenny here, how awestruck he was reading all of the miracle accounts from Luke. And that's so awesome. One of the things that they did at camp in the, I think the evenings was they gave, um, they encouraged kids to memorize a Bible verse from one of the four. So each night, they were overviewing each of the four Gospels. And there was a, th- a theme verse for each of the Gospels, and they were encouraging kids to memorize. Are there any middle school kids here that was at that camp? Would any, only two, three? Okay, I see you up there. Would, would any of you be willing to stand up, introduce yourself, and tell us one of the verses you memorized this week? That's a big, okay, Grace. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Yay, nay. <laughs> Getting nose, a nose from the top. I mean, the word of God getting hidden into our souls. It was, it was so good to be up there. I know, I know in my own life, in my own journey, that a regular, disciplined effort to read, study, meditate, memorize the Bible is not just some easy deal. But I have found in my life that anything worthwhile does require some discipline. Would you agree with that? Again, we're not about legalism, but let's embrace our grace-empowered discipline to be devoted There are tangible, tangible benefits of being devoted to the word of God. Um, Let's read last passage from Psalm 119, 25 to 32. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life. Preserve my life according to your word. I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees Let me understand the teaching of your precepts, and then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways, like protect me from lies. Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast. To your statutes, O Lord, do not let me be put to shame. 
I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Your word sets my heart free. What are the benefits? The word of God gives us understanding and wisdom. It gives us strength in our sorrow. The word of God gives us protection from lies. The word of God ultimately sets our heart free in the way of truth. Hebrews 4.12, God's word is living and, do we know? What? Active. God's word is living and active. Psalm 119, 105, God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God's word is effective. 2 Timothy 3, 16, it is effective to teach us, to correct us, and train us in righteousness. I want to keep pausing here because I just want to make sure that you're hearing me. I am not up here saying, you need to read the Bible more. I'm not saying that. It's not my hope. (coughs) My hope is that you're feeling a sense of empowerment, excitement, encouragement about the revealed word of God to us. Um, We talked about this a little last week. Even the word devotion can sometimes like stir up like more restrictive like feelings for us. And I know this can easily be true about like being more devoted to the word of God. And so I want to end our time uh, really by discussing how devotion to the word of God, while certainly involving discipline, does not end in restriction. It actually shows us the way to truth, which is what it says in verse 39. It gives us the way to truth, and it sets our heart free, verse 32. Modern thinking says that freedom is found in personal autonomy. You do you. Be true to yourself. The heart wants what it, what it wants. Just do whatever makes you happy. Author, pastor, John Mark Comer, in a book that he wrote last year, uh, the book is called Live No Lies. I haven't read this book. This is a quote that, a book that Lucas has read and a quote that he had in his notes, and I wanted to read it with you. Happiness has become about feeling good, not being good. The good life has become about getting what we want, not becoming the kind of people who want truly good things. Honest question, honest question. What if, what if you actually live that way? You do you. Do whatever, do, what, do whatever makes you happy. Like, what if you actually live that way? How soon would your family be destroyed? How quickly would you be left alone? How many people would you hurt, harm, in the pursuit of just doing what makes you happy? The preacher in Ecclesiastes 2, most scholars believe it's King Solomon, King David's son, says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. He did it. I refused my heart no 
pleasure. Nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon lived the modern life before it was popular. The result, he was left wanting. When we make, we, I, us, me, when we make the self the ruler of our lives, we don't become free. Our hearts aren't set free. We just become a slave to our next selfish desire and we hurt people along the way. So how does the Bible show us the path to real freedom? We looked in our passage, verse 39, the way of truth, verse 32, set my heart free. Here's Psalm 119, 45. I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts. This, <coughs> this revealed truth, this statement for you to consider is in total contrast to modern thinking. But in pressing into God's word, we actually become free and unburdened and not restricted, but actually unburdened and released. How can this be? How can this be? Remind you of Jesus' words in John 8. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's exactly what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 119. The way of truth set my heart free. It's exactly the same message. One of my life verses, one of the verses that honestly kind of began the foundation of this church, literally like began the whole process of God moving in Lindsay and I's life, uh, liberating us from a more legal, uh, religious, restricted way of thinking about following God to truly understanding grace and freedom in Jesus in the new covenant. 1 John 5, 3, the apostle John says, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. There, there's that. His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. The commands of God are burdensome because they empower you to overcome everything in your life. This isn't about restricting you. This is about liberating you. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How can it be true that the commands of God aren't burdensome, restrictive? Because of Jesus. He fulfilled every command in our place. Every iota of the law, every iota of the old covenant law, he fulfilled perfectly, liberating us from that heavy yoke on us. And then he says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. Heavy laden with what? All of those, all of those commands that, that the old covenant law put on God's people. Uh, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because of Jesus, because he fulfilled every command, and now he gives us his grace, empowerment, and his Holy Spirit to know God, to follow God, to be a witness. In him, in Jesus, we are empowered. Do you see that this empowers us to be devoted to God's word? 
Like, I'm not putting my hope, I'm not putting my hope in God's commands. I'm putting my hope in the fulfillment of God's commands by Jesus. Do you hear that? I'm putting my hope in Jesus who has fulfilled every command and who has given us his spirit by his grace and empowers us by his grace to follow and be devoted. It's the song that we sang at the beginning of the service. It's from 2 Corinthians 120. It's like another one of those like really important verses. John 1 16, 1 John 5, 3, 2 Corinthians 1 20. These are really like primary verses that the Lord was giving to Lindsay and I when he was giving the DNA of this whole place. All of the promises of God are a yes because of Jesus. He has fulfilled every command and now every promise is a yes. We, in the new covenant, in the new covenant, we can literally be like David and say, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Like, do you ever think about that? Like, Peter says it this way in his letter, like, God's power, his divine power, has given us everything we need for our life and for godliness. There's nothing else that God has to, you've, given, you've been given everything in Jesus to overcome, to which we could say, I lack nothing. Here's the verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. What psalm is that from? Yeah, it's not Taylor Swift, right? It's Psalm 23. This book is not about restricting you. This book is to liberate you. This book is life. It's life to our souls. It's life to our lives. It's life to our relationships. It's like... This is a really bad metaphor, but it's like the best thing that I could come up with. This is like, this book, like feasting on this book, like I grew up in a small town and my mom's parents, my mom and my pa live like two, two houses down, like a quarter mile away, country farm road. And my granny and papa swain, they live like a mile on the other side. So same road. I, it's incredible. So here, here's, my, here's my analogy. This is life. It's like Sunday dinner at your grandmama's house and ain't nobody wanting to miss out on that. By the way, sun, there's only one dinner a week and it's Sunday dinner after church. Every other, every other evening meal is called supper. So that's free. That's free for you today. By God's power, you have been given everything you need for life and godliness. All we need, we have God's grace, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have his word. We have God's grace, we have his Holy Spirit, we have his word. You have been given everything you need to overcome. Who is it that overcomes? The one who believes. You are empowered, you are loved.
Um, do you know the band, uh, worship team, you guys can come back up. Do you know that the band, most of you probably do, the Mercy Me, right? They've been around a long time. I love their music. Um, Bart's resurrection story became a movie a few years back. Um, I can only imagine, right? Anybody see that movie? A few people. I've been thinking about one of their older songs, one of their kind of, one of their first songs. I don't know if it's on their first or second album, <laughs> but it's called um, Word of God Speak. You know that song? And so I want, I just want to read the chorus of this song as a prayer uh, to close our time together today. We'll sing a couple songs. We'll have some people available to pray with you if you want someone to partner with you in prayer. Um, but let's, uh, let's stand together. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray this lyric over us. And then we'll enter back into worship together. Word of God, speak. Would you pour down like rain? Word of God, speak to us. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty? To be still and know. To be still and know that you're in this place, that you're in this place, your presence is in this place. Please let me stay, breathe, be still and know that you are God. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. Let's continue to worship together.